Okay, now we, well, there we are. That's us live. So um, welcome if you're joining us online and welcome if you're listening later. Good to have you with us. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you've said to us already this morning, Father. We thank you for the, the wonder of creation that, that we all went through as we came here this morning, speaking to us of your wonder and your majesty. And thank you for the things you said to us through the worship, through the songs that, that we sang. And thank you for what you spoke to us through our brothers and sisters sharing and reading the words, speaking out prophecy. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you for all that you've said to us so far. And we thank you now, Father, that you're about to speak to us through your words, through your scriptures that have been breathed of you. We thank you, Father, for these seeds we are just about to plant in our hearts into good ground. And Father, we thank you. We speak out for understanding in the mighty name of Jesus, understanding so that seeds are not stolen, understanding so that the seeds of your word will grow and produce fruit that others will see and be attracted to. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> awesome. Turn back to John 12, please. Working my way through the book of John, through this gospel. Um, just the, near the start of the worship there, I, I felt led. I just sat down and I started reading on. I, started, I read the passage of John that I'm going to look at today. <clears throat> and then I just started to read on while you guys were worshipping. And I'm just thinking... John 12 is going to take months. <clears throat> and <clears throat> just, there's, there's marvellous stuff in there, and it's a long chapter. And when we're doing eight verses today, maybe a couple of, and there's 50, 50 verses in 12. And Because I was thinking, how long is it going to take me to get through 14, 15, and 16? But I'm now thinking, how long is it going to take you to get to 14, 15, and 16? But it's good. Oh, excuse me. Um, seeing this Gospel of John in a new light, a new context, a discourse on ending religion and restoring relationship, and it's just fantastic. Like the chap that spoke, it's, people are starting to see that it's about relationship. Wonderful. Jesus coming to restore that relationship between God and between man, and, and doing that through Himself, and it's it's an exciting journey. And I got a lovely bit of affirmation, confirmation yesterday. There was a, a, a teacher of the word, a prophet, who I don't normally listen to, kind of popped up on my Facebook page. And one of my friends had shared it. And, you know, sometimes they start automatically. And so it started automatically, and I thought, oh, here we go. And then, oh, I started listening. Oh, oh. Uh, and, and the lady was started by speaking about how sickness was not from God. So that kind of, oh, listen to this. That's not from God. And it's of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy that. And then she spoke about the Gospel of John. And she said the Gospel of John is different from the Synoptic Gospels. The Gospel of John is different from the other three. As the Gospel of John is all about relationships. I thought, oh, well, I, thought, I felt, yeah, that's a kind of affirmation, the confirmation that I was on the right track with this teaching. Um, amen. So we are going to go back to 
to John 12. We'll do verse 1 to 9. Um, and I'm kind of hoping that this, the message this morning comes over okay. Um, I have to be honest. I don't think I've really grasped what this passage is about. I've been spending weeks contemplating it because I decided to preach on someone else and then so this week I've been meditating on it as well and I'm I'm just not sure if I've got it but I've got something to teach it may it feels a little bit disjointed I feel like I'm jumping about a bit going from this idea to that idea and I looked through it this morning and I thought it's just asking a lot of questions so I'm kind (laughs) of we'll see how it goes how it kind of develops this morning, but um, hang in with me if it sounds disjointed. It may join itself up um, later on. So let's look at John 12, verse 1 says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This said he, not because, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. I think sometimes Judas just gets a bad press, but I mean, John doesn't spare his punches here, does he? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and beard was, was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but also but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Awesome. I've covered the pictures and the typology that we've seen when we look at Lazarus and spoke at depth last week about being in rest, which came out of that um, message. So today, I'm getting to Mary and the ointment and the wiping his feet with her hair. And I just don't know if I'm going to do justice with this. It's taken me weeks, and I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, I was going to say it'll be interesting to see what comes up on Thursday night, but I hope you enjoy that. Um, I'll be working at the time when you're doing it, so I won't be there. Um, so I'm going to get to what, Mary, what Mary's doing and what she did. And remember, we can also read this event in Matthew 26, 6 to 13, and Mark 14, 3 to 9, and I'll refer to that because John and these two versions are slightly different. John adds a little bit in terms of relationship. Matthew and Mark add a little bit in extra in what Jesus says. So we'll cover them all. So what do we see? We see her taking this ointment called spikenard or spikenard, whatever you want to pronounce it, and wiping or anointing the feet of Jesus with this oil. And then we see something that, um, as I was picturing it, you know, we, we picture, what, try and see what's happening. We see something that I think is really quite beautiful, quite intimate. She wipes his feet with her hair. 
and the aroma of the fragrance fills the house. <clears throat> we see the disciples complain. Now, in John, it's Judas. But in Matthew and Mark, the disciples complain. So this is not just about Judas. Okay, he's probably wanting to sell it, pocket some of the profit, whatever. But he's not alone thinking, this is a waste of money. The other disciples think that. If you read Matthew and you read, um, you read Mark. Because they're living in a place and a time where poverty is rampant. Poverty is abundant. They're surrounded by the poor. And here they see Mary being very extravagant with money. When you've got all these poor people that you could help. So the disciples are not very keen on that. And it did cost a lot of money, this stuff. So this ointment was made from a plant called Spicknard. And that plant is not native to the Holy Land. It's not native to the Middle East. It is native to the Himalaya. Or Himalaya, as they now say. So, it's now called Himalaya. Um, so this must have been transported from the Himalaya to the Holy Land, to Palestine, to Judea, whatever you want to call it. And it would not have been cheap. So you've got the thousands of miles to import it. You've got all that. <clears throat> um, and, and I looked up uh, Andrew's commentary, where I got all my information from. And he said, this stuff back then was being sold for about 400 denarii per pound, which is worth more than gold. Worth more than gold. How did Mary get hold of it? Because Mary was rich. She must have been to get hold of it. There was money in the entourage of Jesus. Um, I think that's on page three. You've just stolen my thunder, Carol. <clears throat> um, so, so in the eyes of the disciples, this stuff is worth more than gold, okay? In the eyes of disciples, this is Mary throwing gold away, throwing money away, wasting it. And, and Andrew said it in a, in a really interesting context. I thought, yeah, I, I, I haven't thought through this, but you might want to think through it as part of your meditations. As well as saying what Mary used there was about a year's worth of wages on average at that time. So just think what the average wage is just now. You know, allegedly, the average wage in the UK is about 36, 37 grand or something. <clears throat> That's what Mary poured on the feet of Jesus. Astounding. However, the context that Andrew set it in was its value was worth about two and a half times more than 30 pieces of silver, which is what Jesus got, Judas got paid for the life of Jesus Christ. How much more does Mary love Jesus Christ? Two and a half times the cost of that. But I'm still meditating on that. It's one of the many questions. What, what, what is that implying about, about Mary? But anyway, this was a very costly thing that Mary did. It's actually just now. And it got me thinking, Carol, where did Mary get that money from? She must have been well off. She must have had a good business or, 
or whatever, or she must have been good at saving. But she she had on uh, enough money for an average year's wages to buy this ointment. She had money at least. You know, it's for me. It's another nail in the coffin of the, the poverty preaching. You know that Jesus was poor. Oh, Jesus is nowhere and lay his head. So he didn't have a house, so he's poor. There was money in this entourage. I've, I've said this before. They were they had so much money they needed a treasurer. This is just a pity. He was dodgy. <clears throat> the pity he was a thief. There's there's another thing. What have I said about you know the the, the devil comes the enemy comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. You can't steal something that you don't have, or you can't steal something that someone else doesn't have. They had money. They must have had. Jesus was going around with a huge entourage. You got to pay food, places to stay. There's, there are costs. You know, this might sound a bit blase. There are costs with running a ministry. Jesus had money. Or are his supporters did. Mary must have had money. Um, anyway, uh, get on to that. We, we see the disciples um, complaining, especially Judas. Oh, we could have we could have sold this and fed the poor, and, and lined our own pockets. You know, the disciples obviously weren't thinking that, but uh, the disciples were complaining, and and I, you know what, I, I can kind of see why. A year's salary. You know, <clears throat> now, maybe this is not a good example. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, okay? All right. Well, I say I gave an amazing sermon, and Nunzi came and anointed my feet with something that cost a year of my profits from the business. I'd no be a happy chap. I can tell you that now. I'd be even more unhappy than Judas. <clears throat> so I get it. I understand that. Um, but Jesus doesn't complain. Jesus, Jesus is on the side of Mary. Let her alone. Just leave her. Let her be. Let her do this. And I'll, I will explain more later. But I see what Mary's doing simply as an act of worship. An act of worship. But extravagant worship. <clears throat> and really extravagant. And I felt the Lord speaking to me and, and speaking to us about that and, and saying, don't be like the disciples. Don't be like the disciples. Don't get offended by someone who is taking part in extravagant worship. No matter how extrovert no matter how outrageous, no matter how extravagant, don't, don't get on at people like that. Don't be offended by it. And, and, and at this point, I, am, I felt the Lord was speaking directly to me at this point as well, as well as speaking to us all. I did get into a little bit of condemnation. Now, I, I, it, was a, it was a slight rebuke, but I felt condemned for a wee while. I soon got out of it. Because I remembered being in India. 
um, the year I was there on my own, and I was teaching at a pastor's conference, and we had worship before the service, and there was one pastor there who just went to town on his worship. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, we came, when I came back, we called him the dancing pastor. And, and that's what Sunda and the guys there were calling him, the dancing pastor. He was dancing, he was waving maracas, and he was up and he was down, and he was all over the place, and he was shouting and he was singing. And he was in a world of his own. Well, him and the Lord. And he just went for it. And I could see, I could sense others around me trying not to laugh. I, I, and I could sense others giggling. And then the mobile phones came out. Because he was doing this at the front, obviously. Because extravagant worship is always at the front. Isn't it? You know, if people are dancing, waving flags, doing whatever, <clears throat> it's always at the front. That was always my comment. Why do they always have to do that at the front? <laughs> so you can see why I, this, I felt this rebuke, this little bit of condemnation. And, and, and the videos, and then at night, there was the, later on there was people watching the video, and the video was doing the rounds. The video came home with me, and I showed the family the video. And, and now, I, I was reading that, and here's Mary doing this extravagant worship, and I felt Jesus saying, let him alone. Let him alone. And um, showing that video and laughing, it's completely inappropriate. Because he was just indulging in extravagant worship. Now, you're probably not going to see me yeah. bounding up and down, going up and down and up and down, shaking my maracas. And, but I can get loud. But not like that. I just feel the Lord is saying to us, you know, if people have got different types of worship style, and it, even if we think it's extravagant, you know, the, the flag waving. I, mean, I get hit in the head twice in our old church by, uh, by uh, the same lady waving her flags. Uh, you know, blessed. Let her alone. Um, so I just thought it's completely inappropriate showing that video. And, and but um, and and he commends Mary. He actually says this is a great act. Matthew and Mark extend what he says about this compared to John. Look at Mark fourteen nine. And we are actually living out this verse today. We are living out Mark 14.9. Because Mark 14.9 says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Here's Jesus prophesying that this thing that Mary is doing, not only is it great, and I commend it and I love it, People are going to be talking about this wherever they preach the gospel. What a, what a legacy for Mary. What a legacy for extravagant worship. 
what a good example of how don't don't be offended, don't get upset by extravagant worship. What Jesus says there is, I think, is quite staggering. He said, yeah, I mean, and it came, it's come true. It has come true today, nearly 2,000 later, 2,000 years later, after Mary anointing his feet with that oil and wiping his feet with her hair. We are speaking about it today. Awesome. Come true. That's affirmation. That's confirmation. He's saying, you know, in front of Mary, he's saying, guys, people are going to be speaking about this. People are going to be teaching, preaching, using this as an example. You know, people are like, yeah, if, if you go to Mary Grace Fellowship in 2000 years, Vic's going to be preaching on this. I think it's amazing. So, yes, it's um, primarily it's an act of extravagant worship. That's what I saw Mary doing because I, I spent a lot of time at my desk this week just sitting trying to think and picture what was happening. An act of worship to Jesus, with Jesus. So what can wrong with what can be wrong with that, amen? Absolutely nothing. Okay, yeah, it's extravagant. It might be something that we would not do. Absolutely impossible for me. Pauline, Lee, Nancy, certainly said, might get away with it. But I ain't going to be able to wipe no one's feet with my hair. In the same way, it's the same way I'm not going to dance. You know, never say never. Never say never. I'm probably not going to dance, wave flags, do a painting during worship. That's not my bag. But if other people want to do it, and that's the way they worship, let them alone. I've, and I've got, I've, this is such a big lesson for me. Nancy will tell you, I have been scathing. I mean, I mean, just scathing in the past. It's like dancing, flag waving, always at the front, always in front of me. <laughs> you know? Let them alone. Like, you know, there are people out there in other denominations who think we are nuts and we do extravagant worship. Clap your hands, put your hands up to you in worship, sing the same song 30 times. I mean, you know, we do extravagant worship compared to some people. And it's like, but we, should, they, we should say to them, just let us be, let us alone. Same way that we should... The flag wavers and the dancers, bless them. Hallelujah. No, obviously, don't let this place be full of flags when I come back in a fortnight. <laughs> I know that's what some of you are thinking. That would be that would be a good joke, by the way. Um, but if you feel led for flags, anyway. So, um, yeah, extravagant worship. Disciples didn't like it, but Jesus was fine with it because it was an act of worship. And Jesus said, you know, guys, you'll always have the poor. Now, that's not Jesus saying that poverty is essential and that I like poverty. And he was stating a fact. The way you know, there's more than enough money in the world for everyone in the world to be a millionaire. There's more than enough food in the world for everyone to be well fed. 
but the human systems that are in charge of it, Jesus knew full well. They'll always be hungry. They'll always be poor. They'll always be destitute. So he was just stating a fact here. He says, you'll always have the poor. Let Mary help them another day. You're not going to have me forever. You're going to have the poor forever. You can, you can feed me and sell the ointment and whatever you want. You can feed them next week. But I'm not going to be here next week. It's not what you, exactly you're saying, but that's the implication. You're, you're always going to have the poor. Let her alone against the day of my bearing as she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Now he's obviously talking about in his body. And again, he's prophesying his death. You're not going to have me all the time. You know, you know I'm, I'm going to be going away in days. Have some time with me now. You've always got the poor that you can help later. I think that's, that's what he's saying. And, and I think also, here's one of my questions I'm starting. Could this also be Mary prophesying his death? Does Mary know a little bit more than the disciples? Th- this ointment, or Jesus says there, Against the day of my burying has she kept this. This was ointment for embalming people or, you know, for making them smell nice. Because uh, they stinketh. Um, by anointing him with this oil, I mean, that, that should have been kept until he was buried, until he was dead. That's when you were supposed to use that. So is she pointing to that? Pointing to his upcoming death, does he does she know? Does she understand more than the disciples? And is, is showing us a picture that his death is. Just, I'd like to think that. Um, is it another picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ? You know, this ointment was put on the corpse. Yeah, he's not dead yet, but we see the ointment being used, possibly prophesying his death that he would go away, and then that the. the but when she did it, there was this aroma filling the room. Jesus couldn't fill the room in his physical body. But this aroma, this beautiful presence, filled the room. Is that a picture of his death and the coming of the Holy Spirit? That was one picture that came to me as I was meditating on that. Yes, Jesus would not be here in person forever. He's not actually going to be here next week. Um, but the Holy Spirit would be here filling the whole world and filling us with his presence and his beauty and that aroma that fragrance that's wonderful so is it a picture of his uh, his his finished work as well anyway back to Mary Um, we've seen Mary before you draw a timeline, you see her doing something similar before, but this is a step up from what Mary did earlier. You probably remember the account from Luke 10. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So this is a different account. So they're in Simon's house when she does the hair. This is in Martha's house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much, about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does I not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. 
And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Very similar account, but at a different time. It comes before the account in John. Before what I'm teaching today. And then look at this verse that we did a, uh, quite a while ago now. John 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. What we see here is a personal relationship between Mary and Jesus that is developing. She adores him. In Luke, we just see her sitting at his feet. She clearly loves him. He loves her. Just read that in John 11, 5. But I think we can see the way that this relationship has developed over time by looking at the two instances of when Mary is at his feet. First time, she just sits. Second time, she's far more intimate. She's put an ointment on his feet and she's wiping his feet with her hair. Mary is a picture for us. She was in relationship with Jesus. We are in relationship with Jesus. For Mary, that relationship has progressed. It has deepened over time as she spends time in his presence. Stuart said this morning, uh, come with it, be with him more and more. Come to know him more and more. That's what Mary's done there. That relationship has progressed. It has deepened over time as she has had time with him. You can see that from those two accounts. That relationship is now far more intimate and personal and deeper. It's, it's on a different level in John compared to the earlier one in Luke. Now, I was listening to some music yesterday, and I, I go through phases of playing the same worship song over and over. I'll, I'll find a song, I'll play it. Over and over and over, and I'll, I'll refind it and I'll play it over and over. And that happened this week with a, I found a, a Darlene Check album from 2015 on Spotify, and a song called God Is Here. And I, I've forgotten how good that was. And I've been playing it over and over and over. And there's a couple of lines in that that's really spoken to me this week as I've been, because I play music while I'm sometimes when I'm studying for the for the message. And these lines came up, and it says. We draw near to see Jesus face to face. We draw near to see Jesus be revealed. And I see Mary drawing nearer and nearer, being closer to Jesus, having time with him face to face, being with him so he can reveal his truths. And that's a valuable picture or lesson for us. Stuart's already kind of mentioned it when he spoke this morning. That's what we should be doing. Drawing near to him. Coming towards him to be with him. To see him face to face. To allow him to reveal himself to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit. That's a picture for us. I was sat there, sat for a while thinking about Mary. And it's, she kind of leads the way in her relationships and encounters with Jesus. And the picture is there for us to learn from. We see her sitting at his feet, 
and getting grief for it. We see her anointing Jesus, wiping his feet with her hair. We see her in an extravagant act of worship and getting grief for it. But both times Jesus speaks up for her. Both times Jesus comforts her. Both times Jesus affirms her actions. Now, there may be times when you are in, in acts of extravagant worship and folk are giving you grief. Jesus says, leave them alone. Jesus commends you for it. So what is Jesus saying to us this morning through this study of Mary? Well, he's reinforcing this, gospel, this message of John again, that our faith is now about relationship with Jesus. That's what I see with Mary. It's all about relationship with Jesus. And, and the word contrasts that with Martha working. The better thing is time with Jesus, worshipping Jesus. And Luke, Jesus says, they'll not take that away from Mary. And in John, he's saying, leave her alone. Let her worship. It's all about relationship, not works. And this, again, this picture for me is reinforcing that. What's he saying? He's saying, sit at my feet like Mary. Don't fret about who is working and not working. Don't fret about, I should maybe be doing this, I should maybe be doing that. No, sit at his feet. It's what he's saying this morning. He's saying, worship me extravagantly, like Mary. Now, I remember when I used to worship in the old church, my hands would be in my pocket, and they weren't coming out for anybody. Not even Jesus. But I remember the day I took my hands out, and they said, that was extravagant for me. Now, I don't know what extravagant worship is for you, but that's what Jesus is saying this morning. He wants you to worship him with extravagance and don't be worried, don't be embarrassed, and don't care about what the religious say. That's kind of what he's saying. And the other thing is, don't worry about the cost. Don't worry about the cost. I've lost acquaintances and friends because of the way I worship, who I worship, how I worship. You get grief from family and friends. Um, I know you, you could look, you know, if, if you're worshipping Jesus and you're living for him, um, careers have to be put aside. Jobs can be put aside. The relationship, you, you, you can lose things. It can be costly. But don't worry about the cost. He's providing everything anyway. I've never even thought about the cost financially, but I was just thinking about the cost in terms of relationship and friends and things like that. Where did I see? Where did I get up to? Don't worry about the cost. What you get in worship, no one will be able to take that away from you. Folk can take away your cars, your tellies, your money. 
Don't worry about that. Sit at his feet. Worship him extravagantly. Draw near to him. See him face to face. Let him reveal himself to you. His truth, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his provision, his abundance, and everything else that he's purchased for us. Mary is, Mary is a wonderful example of how to build our relationship with Jesus. And, you know, there may be times when she's had doubts, but I see her relationship developing. But there are times she had doubts. Look at John 11, 28. John 11, 28. Um, Martha's speaking. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly. And came unto him. Verse 32 says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. So it's not like she's getting on at Jesus, but she's saying, you know, what happened there? What was that all about? So she may have had doubts, she may have had concerns. Um, but she brought him to Jesus. Jesus solved the problem. And then we see her in this amazing act of extravagant worship. Don't worry if you've got doubts. Don't worry if you've got concerns. Take them to Jesus. Let him sort them out for you. And then you'll be able to worship in that extravagance. Three times, including that time, yeah, three times we see her at his feet. Third time is after the resurrection of Lazarus. And we see a different Mary. We see one worshipping her Lord with, you could say, all she has. Has she spent all her money on that ointment? I don't know. But she has put a lot of herself, maybe all of herself, into that worship. She wasn't put off by others. And what do we see? We see her receiving the love and affirmation from Jesus. Friends, that's what we should have. And that's what we can have. Amen.